Welcome to the Nino's Corner Podcast. This is beautiful. What is that, Velvet? Hosted by Nick, Nino's Corner Battle. Damn right. Nino's Corner. It's not just a website. It's not just a podcast. It's a brand and a movement. Go to ninoscorner.com, N-I-N-O-S corner.com to get the latest products from Nino. Go to the book section to find Nino's three number one best-selling books, Can You Love Me? A Memoir, A Tribute, Battles Blueprint, Five Self-Battles to Defeat for Success, and My Wonderful Life and Adoption Story. If you need merchandise, we had that for you too. Our custom Do You Signature Series shirts and other apparel were sure to please. Again, visit www.ninoscorner.com, N-I-N-O-S corner.com for more information. What's up, peeps? Nick Battle, a.k.a. Nino's Corner, man. You know what today is, man. It is the Horns Corner portion of Nino's Corner podcast, man. I am so, man, what a game. First off, what a game. Texas versus Texas Tech. If you guys haven't seen the game, 63-56 was the final score of the game. Texas ends up winning the game in overtime. Sam Ellinger, senior quarterback Sam Ellinger for the Longhorns, led his team down. They were down by 15 points with about three, three minutes and 20 seconds to go. Led his team down to two scores. Uh, to tie the game, go into overtime, force the game into overtime. Texas ends up winning the game in overtime in Lubbock, Texas. First off, guys, let's talk about why this is so important of a game for Texas. With this shortened season, we're looking at a time where the, Texas can essentially win the Big 12, especially with Oklahoma losing to Kansas State earlier in the day. Teams like Iowa State losing the previous week uh, to, I think, Louisiana Monroe, I think. Uh, you know, just different teams in the Big 12 have lost to less talented teams than what they are. And so the, the Big 12 is wide open now. And so you have to go out and win the games that are right there in front of you to win. Texas did a great job of recovering and getting back into the game. Uh, you know, they pretty much had the game kind of, I wouldn't say locked up, but they had control of the game. And it was something wrong with the offensive play calling. I don't know what was going on, but to the offensive coordinator, Mike Yurchick, Hey man, what got you? What what you have is Sam Ellinger. He is a probably a Heisman candidate here in this upcoming season. You know, you got guys like, of course, Trevor Lawrence and your Justin Fields are going to be the guys who are going to be top of that list. But Sam's right there. He if he continues to ball out the way that he has been doing over these past four years, uh, he will definitely be a Heisman finalist. Uh, you know, at the top of the year, but. You know, just talking about Sam and talking about Texas, why was this game so monumental? Texas needed to win. They got the win. They got it in Lubbock. It wasn't pretty, but, hey, it is what it is. It is the Big 12. Any given Saturday, anybody can put up an amazing amount of points, and it's just a weird league, and people don't understand it. Well, I guess LSU understands it now because Mike Leach is Mr. Big 12, Mr. Previous Texas Tech, the one of the – uh, uh, guys that pretty much brought the air raid system that the Big 12 so uses now and has had so many variations of it. He, of course, is now the new coach at Mississippi State, and 
They went up against number six LSU, who are the defending champions. And I don't want to hear that they lost a lot of talent to the draft. LSU stacked. They got five-star, four-star guys coming in every year. They're stacked behind them that continuously go to the league. You know, and, you know, it's, it's Mississippi State. Like, they don't get the talent that the LSUs get. They don't get the talents that the Bamas get. They don't get the talent that the Texas get. Hell, they don't even get the talent that the old Misses get. Let that sink in for a minute. But in saying all that, Mike Leach puts up 623 yards against LSU defense, which everybody says is LSU's defense is like the bread and butter. It, it is what they do well every year is defense. So 623 yards against the defending champs in the SEC, uh, an air raid Big 12 system just did that. So I'm not going to talk about that anymore. Just, just to let you know that these offenses are hard to defend against. Hard to defend against. It is what it is. So getting back to the Texas and Texas Tech game. What a uh, man! I had a heart attack like four times from the game. First off, Texas is down those 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 fifteen points. So first off, they were down eight points. And I said Texas has a shot to get this. You know, if Sam gets the ball back, they they go down, score, get a two point conversion. It is what it is. But the, but the Texas defense, the Texas defense allowed a seventy five yard run and four touchdown, and that opened up the game to fifteen points. I'm not gonna lie, guys. I immediately thought that the game was over. I was like, "This is this is killing me." So I thought Texas lost the game right there, but they didn't. And if you go look at uh, look at the tape of the game, you can see Sam going to go talk to Tom Herman. It's almost like he told him they left too much time on the clock for me. And so you know maybe they did. Um, the Texas uh, offense came out, scored a quick touchdown. Dicker the kicker, MVP of of everything for this year so far. Uh, kicks a, a onside kick, it goes down the sideline. Malcolm X picks up the ball, runs it a few yards, 15 yards or so. Texas gets the ball back, goes scores a touchdown, get a two-point conversion, game's tied. Now, once they tied that game, guys, I knew Texas was going to win the game now because teams that are have, have inferior talent, like Texas Tech does to Texas, you have to win that. You have to get a knockout punch in, in regular time. If the game goes to overtime, talent is going to outweigh them. Texas is a more talented team. They're going to win the game, right? They expect to win the game when they go into overtime. They know that we can let this game slip out of our way. But they got, you know, like control of the game, won the game in overtime, and the defense shorted itself up in overtime. Now, let's take a look at the NCN, the Nino's corner number. Uh, you know, like this is my own custom metric that I've been using on guys for like four or five seasons. You guys have been with me for a while. You know, you speed the battle set number. Now it's the Nino's corner number. You guys have been with me for a while. So this is the NCN, the Nino's corner number. I do it for the offense and defense. The offensive score, 40 points is the average for the NCAA. So any any score, the higher the score, the better. You know, so for the defensive side of the ball, the NCN 45 points is the average for the defense side of the ball. Of course, the higher, the better. Right. So for the offensive side of the ball, Texas posted a 55.5 NCN offense. Texas Tech posted a 47.9. Both offenses were amazing. Um, why did Texas Tech have a lower score than Texas? Primarily, Allen Bowman threw three interceptions. And that was the game. You know, that that was the game. So he throws he throws. Three interceptions. Once he throws those three interceptions, you know that brought down the uh, NCN offense pretty pretty far down. But man, he had a game though. You know, if he could, you know, just control those turnovers, Texas Tech might have won the game. Uh, but talking about this offense, guys, what was I most impressed with with the offense? Keontae Ingram, 
thank you for showing up tonight. He is a beast. He is, this is the Keontae that we wanted to see. He averaged 7.4 yards to carry. Um, last week, it was the Roshan Johnson show. I thought he showed up better. This week, it was Keontae Ingram. Next week, maybe it's Bijan. You know, so Bijan Robinson also played. Uh, you know, he had a you know a freshman mistake trying to hurdle somebody. You don't do that in college, guys, until you are the guy. He's not the guy yet, but um, he almost fumbled the ball there. Almost turned the ball over. But I, actually, I thought he was hurt. But the post game reports came out and said that he's fine. It's going to be running around by Wednesday. Um, but I was also most most uh, uh, happy to see that Texas looks like they found their number one receiver and a nice solid group of receivers, you know, to back up that number one. Not back up, but to compliment. Josh Moore is definitely Sam Ellinger's guy. He is the guy who he looks for. He is the guy that he he looks to pass that ball to, sling that rock to. Is he the Devin Duvernadis? No. Devin had the second best wide receiver year for any Texas wide receiver in the history of the program last year. Is Josh Moore going to duplicate that? No. But what I do think is going to happen, Texas is going to have a lot of guys have a lot of yards this year. The schooler kid that came from Oregon, man, what a find that was. Tariq Black didn't have a a great game this game, but the, the person who did have a great game, who I am glad it ticked in him that he needs to have a, a, a great season and, and, and start to have those, those great games, Brennan Eagles. Man, if he ever figures out that he is the guy and he can be dominant on damn near every play, he's going to be scary. He's going to be scary. The way that he catches the ball, he can make some of the most toughest catch, one-handed catches, behind-the-back catches. If he puts it all together, he could be one of the greats. He could be one of those guys that can definitely, definitely help put Texas back on the map. And it needs to start this year because this is the last year with Sam. You need to try to capitalize on what you have here. You have probably the third best quarterback to ever step foot on the 40 acres and Texas can't squander this opportunity. They got to win now. They got the running backs. They got the wide receivers as a unit. I think they're a good unit. There is no Devin DuVernay. There is no Colin John to walk through the door, but you got a good complimentary set of wide receivers who complement themselves. Josh Moore is good. Brennan Eagles, I think is I think that light's clicking. We still haven't seen Jake Smith on the field yet. And when he gets on the field, he's the slot guy that I think can have the opportunity to do what Devin Duvernay did. Maybe not on the heightened scale this year, because I think the ball is going to be spread around a lot, but he has the opportunity to be that guy to go across the middle, to stretch the field, to be fast. He was a Gatorade player the year, two years ago for high school, came out of Arizona. He's with Arizona player of the year. We got the Arizona player of the year this year too with a Bijan. So way to go on that recruiting on, on that front. But Jake Smith's going to be an awesome player. And when Jordan Whittington, man, I just hope he can stay healthy and not be injured once he gets back. And this 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 offensive receiver group is going to be one to drool at here in the next couple of weeks. But these guys got to get healthy. I know Jake Smith's battling a hamstring injury, but he has to get healthy. Whittington just had surgery. Uh, I think what uh, just a, uh, a minor knee injury. You know, hopefully he can get back soon. They said three to four weeks. So maybe right after the Oklahoma game, or if not in time for the Oklahoma game. But we talked about the goods for this offense. Now we got to talk about the bad. Whew, the Texas offensive line. There is nothing good about this offensive line besides Cosme. That's it. Cosme and, and Kurt Stetter. Now, um, the rest of the three pieces is, 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 less than, is less than desirable. 
Texas, we got to figure out a way how to get the top five guys in the field. And if that's our top five, we're going to be in a bunch of trouble here. My suggestion would be, we all know that Cosme is the guy at left tackle. We have definitely have to get a guy at the right tackle because Christian Jones isn't that guy right now. Is it Reese Moore? You know, is it Tyler Johnson? We know Okafor's not a, a right tackle. He's not that guy at right tackle. I'm beginning to question if he's that guy at right guard either. My suggestion, guys, is we bump Kurt Stetter back to right tackle. We know he is a good right tackle. He played great at the right tackle last year. Um, I think we 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 need to swap him back to the position where at, at right tackle where we know he can be a, a stud there. Um, but the problem with that is I think you leave Angelau at the left guard. I think he's serviceable at the left guard position. The thing is, if you had Cosme at the left tackle, Angelau at the left guard, there has to be a battle for that right guard position, whether it's Denzel Okafor, whether it's Tyler Johnson. We know Tope Ahmad is not the answer. He's been here. He's not the answer. Um, who do you who wins that job? Um, is it is it Gramai? I don't know, guys. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but I, I would think it would have to be Okafor. You move Kerstetter back to the to the right tackle position. I think even maybe having Kerstetter being a senior in I mean not a senior but a seasoned guy who knows how to play right tackle. And if you bump Okafor, who also knows how to play right tackle, just not as good as Kerstetter, you move Okafor into that guard position, then you know two guys that have been in the system for a while. Okafor will lean on Kerstetter because he knows Kerstetter knows how to play that right tackle position. He's going to be the one that's going to be able to pick up those coverages. He's going to be the one that's going to be helping Okafor get to the positions and doing, you know, the stunts and, and, and ensuring that the stunts that are done by the defensive line won't get through to the offense. You know, I think those two can work together in tandem because they've been here for the longest. The problem now is, guys, who do we start at center? Do we put another true freshman out there in Jake Majors? You know, we we went through this spiel with uh, Zach Shackelford being a true freshman starting at center. Now, granted, Jake Majors is a is a larger kid than Shackelford. I think Majors is already 290, 300 pounds. So he he has the size and the girth that Zach just simply didn't have when he first came in here as a freshman. But do we want to actually start a freshman at that center position in Sam's last year? Is he the right person? Will he be overpowered by the interior lineman? Just think about it. This kid was just in prom in April. Well, with COVID, we didn't have prom. But anyways, yeah. Think about that for a minute. Is that the right move for the Texas offense? Don't know, but they got to figure something out on the offensive line. Herb Hand has to figure – he has to start getting paid. He has to start earning his paychecks from here on out because the offensive line has to get better. All right? So let's talk about the defensive side of the ball, man. NCN defense for Texas, 45.9 points, just .9 points greater than the NCAA average of 45 points. Texas Tech's 31.4. So they were far below, far below. Uh, nearly 15 points lower than the, I'm sorry, nearly 14 points lower than the uh, than the uh, college football average. Uh, so if we dig into these numbers, what did Texas do well? They had a bunch of tackles for loss. I think, what, seven tackles for loss in the game? Uh, no sacks, which is, um, you know, alarming. They did have three interceptions, though which is totally amazing. Three interceptions was definitely needed by this by this program. 
Uh, one thing that they did do that I really like, the defensive line did stuff to run minus that one play for 75 yards. I know it's a big play, it's a big play. But minus that one play for 75 yards, the Texas defensive line held Texas Tech to like 46, 47 yards rushing, you know, over the game, like 21, 22 rushes for 40-something yards. You know, if you tell me that my defensive line is going to do that for 99% of the game, I'll take it. They were dominant to stop the run. One thing that the Texas defense line has to do better, we got to get some more pressure on the quarterback. There were too many times Bowman had too much time in the pocket, and he was able to pick apart the Texas secondary and uh, and, and and pick apart those linebackers. So we said linebackers in secondary. Let's get to the te- you know let's get to the Texas secondary. Texas secondary, missed tackles, missed tackles, missed tackles. Hey man, wrap up, wrap up, man. Please wrap up. You know I'm I'm so tired of the of the of the plays where it's hit the shoulder, hit the guy, and hope they fall down. That's not the case, man. You got to wrap people up in college football. Um, that. The defensive line did their thing is to run, but I think they that they definitely should have got some more pressure on the quarterback up the middle. Keontae Coburn, when he wants to be a man shot, he's a man shot. He can't be stopped. Daquan Graham, he had a pretty good game. I was I was I was very happy to see him play that way. Um, Joseph Asai is Joseph Asai. He is a beast. You know, it just is what it is. And Ojima had a pretty good game also. I mean, those those guys held their front. They they held their own against. The uh, the Texas Tech offensive line when it comes to the run game, but we got to get more pressure. Uh, Joseph Asai cannot be the only person that gets pressure. We got to get some more stunts. And I know that we didn't do a lot of blitzes in this game. Uh, well, I'm gonna say a lot. We did some blitzes, but we had to keep our linebackers, you know, uh, uh, Overshawn and Mitchell. We had to keep them free, let them roam a little bit because Texas Tech loves to pass the ball, and that's just their mo, right? Uh, but the team has to get better at tackling as a whole. The team has to do better at tackling from linebacker position to uh, the DBs. Now, talking about the DBs, um, as good as Josh Thompson played last, what, two weeks ago against UTEP, it wasn't his best game this game. Uh, Chris Adamara, man, he's going to be a stud one day. He has a def- definitely the potential to play on Sundays. Um, he had a hell of a game. That that interception he had was amazing. Uh, Chris Brown, he's exactly what we need at safety. You know, guys, uh, when the season started, I was like, man, we have a, a backfield of Caden Stearns, you know, at the free safety. And you couple that with B.J. Foster at the strong safety. And I was thinking Jalen Green at one corner and then Anthony Cook at the other corner. Man, was I wrong. Caden Stearns is the only guy who's starting out of that out of that list. We got Caden, we got Chris Brown, we got Thompson, and then we got our, our favorite guy, the Shark, Deshaun Jameson. So – B.J. Foster, where does he fit in? He played a lot. He played a lot, but he's a little stiff. Um, he's a lot stiffer than what I remember from the past two years. Maybe it's just him adding on a little bit more bulk, maybe just, just because his body's getting more mature and he's getting older. I would suggest, to be honest with you, do exactly what we did with Overshawn. B.J. Foster likes to hit. He wants to hit. He's rangy, but he's not as fluid as the rest of the safeties. I would spin him down to the linebacker position, and you had the perfect Big 12 linebackers with Overshawn and B.J. Foster roaming, taking on coverage from the tight ends, 
taking on coverage from the running backs coming out the backfield. You have Chris Brown, who's able to take on a tight end as a strong safety. You have the Wolf of DKR, a.k.a. Caden Stearns, roaming the backfield. And you have your your cornerbacks. I think Josh Thompson and Jameson are dogs. They are dogs. Adam Morris is a dog, too. Watson is a dog. These guys are dogs. So they're going to be able to do some press coverage and do some things that we haven't been able to do in the past. But I think moving – B.J. Foster, maybe not this year or start to transition this year, but maybe moving him to where you have him and Overshawn playing the linebacker positions in the middle of that field next year or, you know, maybe later this year to bring some speed, some uh, side to side range, you know, very fluid motion at your linebacker position. These guys aren't, aren't fluid enough at the safety position as we thought but they should be able to spin down to that linebacker position and be some awesome, fluid linebackers for this team. Overson's already proven it. B.J. Foster should be looking at that and saying, this is where I can make my money on Sundays. So that was the defense in a nutshell. The defense needs to tackle better. Got to do better in the tackling, guys. Got to get pressure on the quarterback. We didn't do a lot of that. We need to get some sacks. We need to get them on the ground. What I did like is we did have those, those three turnovers. And I did like that we stopped the run for the majority of the game. But the defensive backfield, man, the coverage, some of the coverage was good. Vasher's is a 6'5 wide receiver who should be at Texas because his cousin's Nathan Vasher, but that's another conversation. But it's a 6'5 guy who high pointed the ball and did what he wanted to do. He abused the defensive backs just like just with his raw size and his athleticism. So, you know, sometimes you can have the perfect coverage, but if a player is just a little bit more physical or a little bit bigger, it doesn't matter how good your coverage is. If he can go up there and jump higher and you get the ball, that's what it's going to do. And that's what Vasher did on a few opportunities during this game. All right, so that's the defense side of the ball. One thing that I don't really track, but I need to start tracking more, guys, is the special teams. And I do track it, but it's just the metrics. I don't really track the analytics on the on the special teams. But, man, I'll tell you what, in Texas – uh, and Texas Tech, they both kind of swapped out on, you know, just the different special teams plays. You know, Texas Tech uh, does for think the onside kick, you know, and they recover it, and then, you know, Bowman throws an interception to uh, Chris Brown. Uh, uh, you know, just the blocks, uh, uh, punts, both of them had blocked punts. It was, it was just awesome to, you know, just to see uh, how special teams can change the game. One metric that I do need to bring back up, guys, is on the offensive side of the ball, explosive plays. Texas had four explosive plays. Uh, Texas Tech had nine explosive plays. Usually the team that has at least one more explosive play wins the game like 87% of the time. was not the case this game. It's a very weird game, but it is the Big 12, guys. It is the Big 12. Whew, that's a lot, guys. That's my section on the Horns Corner. We're going to go to a small commercial break. We're going to talk about the NBA and the upcoming finals, the Heat and the Lakers. A lot of storylines in this, man. So let's take a small break. We'll come back and we'll talk about it. And we're back, guys. Let's talk about the NBA. So the Los Angeles Lakers closed out their series against the Denver Nuggets. I told you guys this. Last week, Lakers in five. That's what happened. Lakers in five. The Miami Heat closed out the Boston Celtics uh, just on Sunday night. Six games. I didn't predict six games. I thought the Celtics were – well, I thought – I said Miami would close the series out, but I thought it would be in seven games. Um, 
but they close it out in six. All right, guys, Lakers versus Heat. A lot of storylines in this game, guys. Who's going to win it? I got the Lakers in five again. I think the Lakers are too strong. I think LeBron's on the mission. I think he's here to prove to everybody that he ain't lost a step. He's still that guy. Nobody can guard AD on that team. Multiple people can guard their big guy from Kentucky. Bam. Multiple people can guard him. They got 80 that they can throw at. They got the White Howard that they can throw at him. He's not a great shooter. He's a bang-up guy that's going to get you, you know, under the goal, get the offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, a lot of putbacks, a lot of dunks. But his his shot, the 15-18 footer, is not the best, not the best three-pointer, but what he does do, he can control the ball really well for a big guy. A guy like Dwight Howard, lateral quickness might, might not be the best against a guy like Bam, but he can at least, uh, you know, get into his head a little bit. But it just depends on how Miami's going to play him. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good series. But I do I do have the Lakers in five. I just think that uh, when you start looking at the players, player for player, I don't think anybody in that team can check AD. I don't think anybody in that team can check LeBron. And I think LeBron's on a mission to do some things to Miami because of some of the comments that Pat Riley made when LeBron left to go back to Cleveland. You know, he didn't make he didn't make some of the, the best comments about LeBron, about him leaving. I think he wants this game. I think he's going to prove that he is still the guy in year 17 that owns the NBA. And it's going to be very interesting to see this game. I don't see anybody checking LeBron. Jimmy Butler can try. They're going to throw Iggy on there. Iggy's not. I mean, he's he's older now. They're going to try to throw Crowder. Um, you know, it's 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 going to be interesting. But AD, there's only one person who they're going to throw at AD, and that's Bam. And AD is so skilled. I would Bam might get in foul trouble, and, and it's a wrap. Uh, the Lakers are going to do a great job of doing switches. They're going to switch to get Hero. They're going to switch to get Drogic. They're going to switch to get Robinson, Duncan Robinson. They're going to switch to get these guys on LeBron so that he can take him to the hole. And if he takes him to the hole, this is going to be over quick. Uh, those guys can shoot, though. But the Lakers' zone defense is a lot better than what the Celtics put out there against the Miami Heat. The Lakers, when they play defense, they're a top three defensive team in the league. They clamp down. And their whole team can play defense from the point guard down, from LeBron to KCP to Danny Green, Dwight Howard, even JaVale McGee. AD, then you got a guy like Rondo coming off the bench, you know, who can who can definitely play some defense. Uh, Caruso is a great defender. They got some talent. The only one who's a liability, I think, on the defensive end is Cal Kuzma. Uh, but they can work around that. The Lakers are so deep on the bench, you know, but usually in the playoffs, it it uh, it shortens your bench. The Lakers haven't shortened their bench. Like I said, they come you know, like off the bench. You got oh, I didn't even say Marquise Morris. You got either Dwight or JaVel McGee come off the bench. So that's one. You got Rondo. You got Morris. You got Kuzma, and you got Caruso. The Lakers are playing ten guys sometimes tonight, which is so odd in the playoffs. Using the playoffs, like I say, got six or seven tops. Eight people get run. They want to shorten them to rotation. Lakers are not that team. They are in the in the driver's seat in every game. They're playing 10 guys deep every night. It's amazing to watch, man. 
And when, also what I like to see is LeBron is usually the guy who clocks the most minutes in the playoffs. He's like just sitting there. I don't know. It's like the – he has the 15th most minutes in the playoffs. 80s, like the 14th most minutes. They're not even in the top five players when it comes to minutes per game. That's what won them that Denver series. That and, of course, the overly glaring talent that they have over Denver. But – Denver got tired. Lakers were fresh. LeBron took it on his shoulders this last game. Said, hey, give it, just give me the ball. <laughs> Get out the way. I got this. So I think the same thing is going to happen with Miami. Miami's coming off a pretty rough series. They won in six games, but their guys played a lot of minutes. Can you expect Jay Crowder to keep hitting shots like this? No. Iggy's not going to hit that one game. So Iggy was five for five, you know, on Sunday night. That's going to be the best he's going to probably play the rest of the series. I mean, I'm sorry, the rest of the playoffs. He's not a volume shooter. He's streaky when he can hit, and um, he's a streaky free throw shooter too. So, you know, Iggy's going to come in and try to play defense. And, you know, for as much praise as he got for playing defense against LeBron in that finals where he got the finals MVP, LeBron's still almost after triple-double. So how much defense was getting played? Uh, it's going to be interesting, guys, but I got – I got the Lakers in five. I think it's going to be a valiant effort. But I think the Lakers are going to overpower these guys. And I think LeBron's on a mission. He's just he's he's on a mission right now to get this done. He knows what this means for his legacy. Uh, also, breaking news, man, Doc Rivers is out with the Clippers. Who are the Clippers going to go get to be their coach now? You know, I think there's going to be more than just Doc Rivers out. There's going to be some players in that team that ain't coming back. Um yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see the six man of the year over there. Um, Harold come back. I don't. I don't think Lou Williams is coming back. Um, I think it's gonna be the Paul George and the, and the Kawhi show, and uh, they're gonna try to build around them as much as they can. But I, I I'd see, um, I, I, I see more people not being there this year than uh, what's there now. But man, it's gonna be interesting. I can't wait to talk to you guys. Wednesday is game one. Friday is game two. I think game three is Sunday or Monday. So next Tuesday, I expect this to be a 2-1 series Lakers. And then they're going to close it out. It might even be a 3-0 series. But we'll see. But, uh, man, appreciate you guys for listening, man. If you like what you listen to, man, give me those five-star reviews. Give me those comments. Give me those likes on all your podcasting platforms, man. Love you guys. Do you. Don't be afraid to fail. Outgrow your environment. Understand your brilliance. Uh, just do you, man. Just do you. It is what it is. When I know, man, Nino's Corner, I am out. Salute. Bam! We good to go out. Howdy 5,000. Shout out to my boy H. Jones.